This Raver Replay podcast is being delivered by Ison's Family Pizza. 103.9 WRVI Batesville, Greensburg, Brookville, Versailles now presents Southeastern Indiana's longest running and most listened to sports show, Coach's Corner. Now broadcasting from the Coach Raver Corner at Ison's Family Pizza, here is your host, Bryce Kendrick. Hello again, and thanks for joining me for another edition of Coach's Corner, delivered by our great friends at Ison's Family Pizza. It's also brought to you in part by Garing's Fleetwood Chevrolet Buick, along with George's Pharmacy and Medical Equipment. I'm Bryce Kendrick, and I'll be joined uh, later on to talk some high school baseball with Franklin County's Derek Stang and Batesville's Justin Tucker. We'll also hear from Coach Bob Lovell and IHSAA Commissioner Paul Knighting. But our first guest, our mystery guest tonight has also hosted the show a few times in my absence, and I called upon him this evening, much against my better judgment, but uh, we had a late cancellation, and I was definitely desperate for a guest. He is none other than the Daily Pod ratings killer and a colleague of ours at WRBI. He is Rob Morad. Rob, good to have you. With an introduction like that, Bryce, <laughs> I feel very, very welcome. And, uh, no, it's great to be here. Thanks. I appreciate the call today, and it's great to be over here with you tonight. Well, there, there's, you know, we had a we had an opportunity uh, this winter to enjoy a very nice postseason run with the Jacksonville boys basketball team. They made it, of course, to the Final Four. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But the real reason why I brought you in here is because you had the chance to do something that very few people have had the chance to do, and that is to be part of a state finals broadcast. And if I'm not mistaken, you did three this year, two for the girls and one for the boys is that correct two and two two and two yeah two just like girls, uh, two for the boys. uh what's his name from um oh yeah be back in two and two back that, two. Uh, that was uh i can i'm I drawing can, a blank chuck Wallery. Chuck chuck there Wallery. you go we'll be back there in two go. and two be back in two and two well before we get into what you enjoyed this year how did you get how did you get involved with that to begin with yeah bryce actually came about a few years ago when i was doing some live streaming and had the opportunity to work with greg rakestraw mm-hmm. And Greg Rakestraw uh, has been broadcasting with the IHSA Champions Network for many years. Right. Greg is a post-game host for the Indianapolis Colts, uh, so you'll he- you'll hear Greg a lot on on post-game calling shows and so forth. So he's a big name in broadcasting in Indianapolis, and also does the Colts preseason on the television. Right. At that time, Greg was selecting the announcers for the IHSAA for the state finals broadcasts, and he and I were working together. Uh, doing some live streaming and had the opportunity to be a color commentator for him. Right. And he came up upon the boys' state finals one year and was short a broadcaster. And mm-hmm. it actually happened to be the 4A color commentary game, uh, one of the years when Carmel won the state championship, which is probably, I want to say now, Bryce, five or six years ago. Yeah. And given that we had a connection and had worked together, Greg called me and said, hey, would you be able to come up and do the color commentary on the boys' 4A game? I said, absolutely. Yeah. I would I would love it. I mean, right. as a broadcaster, it's something that you look would really look forward to. So it was on the radio side. So it's the IHSA Champions Radio Network, and the broadcast goes statewide to affiliates all across the state who choose to carry uh, the IHSA broadcast. So I got the opportunity to do that um, and made some connections while I was up there. And then the next year, uh, Greg was putting the, the schedule together again. He said, hey, he said, Rob, I've got an interesting assignment I want you to think about. He goes, given that your uh, past experience includes coaching and also you've got broadcast experience, he goes, i got a unique role that I think you might be well suited for. How would you like to be the sideline reporter? And so I asked him to tell me a little bit about what that would entail. 
Uh, obviously, it's on radio, Bryce. Because right. if you see sideline reporters well, that, on, on the television, that's the first side. thing I thought about. You don't look like you don't look anything like the sideline reporters I see on network television. No, no, sir. And that's why, as we've said many times, I have a face for radio. I know it. I embrace it. And uh, so, anyway, it was the opportunity to do sideline reporting. Uh, and I said, you know what? Sounds like a lot of fun. And I didn't know a whole lot about it. But I tell you, I really enjoy it. It's a it's a neat opportunity, and happy to tell you more about what that looks yeah, like. Yeah, what what was the experience like? I mean, to to get to be part of what three A and four A, and, and for both the boys and the girls. Correct, and three A and four. General for experience overall. Girls. What what's it like being up there on the floor on a championship Saturday? Fantastic. I mean, and what one of the things I noticed, and, and I noticed it the very first year I did it, and I really probably should have asked the question beforehand. What's the attire? And I kind of went a little more casual that first year. I had a dress pants on and a sweater. But I found that almost all the broadcasters and all the IHSA personnel that you see there in coat and tie or a suit and an open neck collar. So it's very. Well, that rules me out. It's, it, it, it's a very professional. Uh, that definitely rules me out. And, and I noticed that immediately. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll make note of this. If I ever get the chance to come back again, I'm going to dress going to dress for the part even though it's radio but i think just out of the respect for the tournament respect for the game they want the people around that are going to be around the floor right. uh, to do that so what happens you work in concert obviously there's a tv broadcast crew and a radio broadcast crew and both crews have a play-by-play a color and a sideline reporter so the tv and the radio sideline reporter have to work in concert with one another because what your main job is is to do interviews with the coaches so you catch the coaches at the end of the first half. Right. So one coach you get on the way in, one coach you get on the way back out, and then you catch the coaches at the end of the game. And the way they split that up, Bryce, the television person will take whichever coach is, is ahead. So whatever team is ahead at halftime, the television person gets that coach on the way into the locker room, the radio person, me in this case, I catch up with a coach who's behind going right. in. You get two or three questions with that coach on their way into the locker room. Appropriate that you get the losing coach first. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Then on the way out, you switch. Right. So then the radio will go grab the coach that's ahead, mm-hmm. and you ask them some questions about what they talked about at halftime and so forth. So that's, that's the part that happens at halftime. I will tell you my favorite part is during timeouts, you get to go stand right behind the huddle and listen to what's going on in the huddle. So when there's a timeout, I usually try to see who called the timeout right? because that team usually has a reason they called the timeout, right. and I go stand behind that huddle. And there you are, and here on, on Saturday night, and the boys, you had a, a full field house right. of people, and you're standing right down in there listening to a coach talk to his team trying to win a state championship and listening to the strategy that takes place in there, and I find it fascinating. Well, and, and I know you do because we had a chance to do that Greensburg-Connersville game up, up at the Spartan Bowl, and, uh, you know, we're within earshot of, of what's going on with uh, Stacey Myers Huddle in Greensburg, and you were you were dialed in on what's going on, and it was it was really good that you were able to convey what he was talking about and actually to see the whole thing kind of unfold on the floor right in front of us. Exactly, and I remember that with Stacey. He talked about they needed to take charges, and they needed to drive the ball to the basket. In the last three minutes of that game, they did both those things, right. which had a huge impact on the outcome of the game. So I enjoyed that. And just, just last week, standing behind the Beach Grove huddle mm-hmm. and listening to Coach Mike Renfro talking to his team, and they had about three minutes left in the game, and he's telling his team, we're playing three minutes for a state championship. The score is tied, and we got to go three minutes for a state championship. And right now, everything we've worked about on our defense is what's going to win us this state championship. So I listen to that, and then you come out of that, and if there's something interesting, 
then I'll just speak into my microphone while we're on commercial break, and I'll tell the play-by-play guy, hey, I got something for you. Mm-hmm. So when they come back out of commercial, he'll do his quick reads because there's always sponsors. you got to right. pay the bills, right. right? Do the quick reads, and then he'll say, hey, let's go to Rob Moorhead, who was just in the Beach Grove huddle. And so I get to stand there and tell him what I heard that was interesting in the Beach Grove huddle. And what is cool is if whatever was said ends up coming to pass, uh, when they go back to the broadcast. And, and I again, I just find that fascinating. I always tell the coaches ahead of time, Bryce, I go introduce myself to each one prior to the game. I said, hey, look, I'm doing the radio, uh, the, the sideline reporting for radio, so I'm going to be standing in behind your huddle sometimes. I just want you to know why the big, ugly, bald guy is standing here. <laughs> and I say, we're not live. Nothing's going to go over the air live. I'm just going to listen, and if I pick up any tidbits, I'll pass them over the air. And they've all been great about it. I've never right. had one uh, that, that wasn't cool with it. So I enjoy that part of it, Bryce. And then the post game, and that's a lot of fun, but it's also the first interview I have to do is very difficult because the first thing I have to do right when they get done with the handshake line is grab the coach who just lost in the state championship game and get a quick radio interview with them. And that's tough sure, because they are emotional, especially if it's been a very close game and you're trying to ask questions that allow them to talk about what just happened in a positive light. Because And I've always respected you for this, and you've done this everywhere you've been. High school sports should always be covered in a positive yes. fashion. This is not the place to take pot shots at coaches or at players. They don't get paid enough. The players right. don't get paid at all. They don't need to be have, having people take pot shots at them. So to try to ask questions that allows that coach in a very difficult moment mm-hmm. to still focus on the positive of the experience of getting to the tournament, the community support they've had, I usually try to talk about the seniors that are going to be leaving the program and the mark they've left. That's that's the tough part, but it's also uh, it's also a rewarding part. Then I get to catch up with a winning coach, which is really cool, and you enjoy that. And then get to catch up with whoever won the Trester Award or the Mental Attitude Award, whatever they call it for that particular. Uh, it's called the Raycraft Award in, in, in some. It's called the Trester Award. But you get to catch up with that Mental Attitude Award winner and talk to a student-athlete who's been nominated by their principal and then also try to catch a couple of the stars of the game and get to have those conversations right. as well. Now, in addition to talking about people involved in the game, you've also had the opportunity to speak with people that were just there as casual observers. I know one of the conversations with, was with the governor. Governor Holcomb was very prominent in his presence at the girls' state finals mm-hmm. this year. Uh, back in March, and he was sitting on the sideline wearing a bright orange shirt. And I said, hey, I see the governor over there. You guys care if I go get a quick interview with him? And Greg Rakestraw was doing the play-by-play on radio, radio that night. He said, absolutely, go do it. So I just went over, tapped Governor Holcomb on the shoulder, and was able to have a conversation with him uh, on the air, which was fun. We kept it short. We kept it light, but just let him talk about right you know, why he's there and how much basketball means in the state of Indiana and, and how much his support as a governor means to the teams that are there. And then interesting, Bryce, this past weekend, uh, it was a who's who of Division One college coaches at the 4A game. Cathedral uh, had five Division One players. Now, three of them were seniors who were right. already committed, but there were a couple of juniors, one of them being a young man by the name of Booker, uh, who is a 6'11 kid, shoots left-handed, and, it, and is just phenomenal. So you had Tom Izzo sitting courtside. Right. Matt Painter and Purdue had just lost hours before, the night before, was their sideline. And then Michael Lewis was over there. Michael, as many people know, is a UCLA assistant who was just named head basketball coach at Ball State. I saw Michael sitting over there uh, during the 3A game, and I went over at halftime and introduced myself and said, Hey, Coach Lewis, congratulations on the new job. Would you be able to do an interview with me here on the radio? He said, I don't know. He said, let me call and ask my guy. And what we found out is... 
I don't think Division One coaches. Uh, well, oh. no, it had been inked, oh. but I don't think Division One coaches are allowed to do interviews at high school sporting oh, wow. events. It's a it's a recruiting wow. type thing. And he said, I don't want to risk a violation on my yeah, first you, day you on could, the job. You could have put Ball State on death row for. I said, by all means, absolutely not. I said, if there's any doubt at all, let's not do it. He goes, well, let me check and then come back after a while. Well, I decided, you know what, it wasn't worth the risk there. But he was very cordial and nice. And and what was interesting, too, Bryce, is UCLA had just lost the night before. So I was able to talk to him a little bit off the air. Just, man, that was a tough one last night. I hate to see you guys get beat. And he's talking about what happened late in the game and all that. But now... He's flipped the script, and he's focused solely on Ball State and what he's going to do recruiting-wise there. So it was fun to get to do that and, and talk to him as well, even if it wasn't on the air. Favorite interview? My favorite interview this last weekend was with Beach Grove's Mike Renfro. And the reason was uh, I was working with the play-by-play guy was Mark Forrester. Mm-hmm. And Mark's out of Muncie, and he covers some Ball State events up there and some Muncie high school games as well. And Mark always does. I worked with Mark back during the football season. I actually got to be Mark's color commentator on the 3A football state finals this year. And Mark always does interviews, much like yourself, Bryce. Mark does pre-recorded interviews with the coaches. And then he sends those. It's good to see that all of these expert people are following my lead. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and Mark sends those interviews in an email. So he had sent me a copy of the interview that he did with Mike Renfro. And in the interview, Mike talks about how much Matt English has meant to the Beach mm. Grove program. And you'll recall Matt English, mm-hmm. but for our listeners out there, Matt was the head coach at Beach Grove, got diagnosed with brain right. cancer, and succumbed to that a few years ago. Yeah. And Mike was his assistant. And so Mike Renfro took over. And so I got to talk to him, and, and he mentioned it in the interview with Mark Forster that didn't air, but I had that information in the back of my mind. And there, their slogan this year was we before me and that was a matt english slogan so as i'm interviewing him after the game i said coach i'm going to give you a phrase and a name and i want you to tell me what it means to you i said we before me coach matt english and he got emotional yeah and tears came to his eyes and he said rob i really appreciate you mentioning that and he went ahead and talked about the foundation that matt english built with the beach grove program and then how they carried that after matt passed away into what they had just accomplished and the other thing he had told mark forrester in that interview was that his grandfather had just passed away back during the winter of COVID from COVID pneumonia. Right. And he said, the last thing my grandfather said to me was, go win me a state championship, and I love you. So I brought that up. Then after Matt English, I said, Coach, I got to ask you. I said, your your grandfather just passed, and you were very close. I said, tell me what he said to you. And again, he got emotional, and he said, he told me to go win him a state championship. And he said, Grandpa, we did it. And it it was just really cool to see a guy that, that, just reached a career milestone to win a state championship but to be able to think about those people who meant so much in his life and i was very thankful to mark forrester that he had done those interviews and sent me that information so i had that in my mind right. to ask those questions and it was really neat to, to see how how matt handled that well you and i had a chance to work together in the in the postseason i'm glad you had some time for a little schlep like me to to do uh to, to, to follow <laughs> some high school basketball down here in southeast indiana but we uh, had the chance to experience a nice run by the jacksonville eagles and made it all the way to the final four that my friend was a fun ride oh i'm telling you bryce and, and i will tell you i've had as much fun broadcasting this year as i have in a long time being able to get back into radio uh, and doing radio broadcasting has been a, really a lot of fun and, and working with you this postseason was a lot of fun we we worked together many years ago yeah uh back when we both had a little more hair and uh <laughs> We, uh, we had some good times then, but getting back and doing that, being able to follow this Jacksonville run, anytime you see a local school, 
make a run. It's fun and it's exciting. And I know there are people who say, well, how can the superintendent at South Ripley get excited about watching a Jackson Dell team have that kind of success? Well, we're not in the same class, so we're not competitors when it comes to the postseason right. with them playing Class 1A and us playing Class 2A at South Ripley. And also, you look at it, even if we were in the same class, once your team is out, I think you're pulling in Southeast for the local Indiana, guy. you're pulling for the local you guys. You really are. Your conference uh, opponents, your, mm-hmm. your region opponents, whatever. And it was fun. And, and getting to see Coach Bowman and getting to interact with him mm-hmm. and, and seeing his emotion and what yeah. he puts into it. And then seeing the way that the kids performed and also, Bryce, just sit back and watch how the community came out mm-hmm. uh, in support. It was really a lot of fun with the Jackson Dell run. And then, you know, we said all along it was going to take a really good team to beat Jackson Dell. Yeah. Well, it took the state champions to beat Jackson Dell right. because North Davies uh, went up there on Saturday and won the state championship uh, by uh, two points that ended up in double overtime over Lafayette Central Catholic. And I look back and I really think that North Davies played better against Jackson Dell mm-hmm. than what they did in the state finals against Lafayette Central Catholic. And, and although you'll never know, I mean, I certainly feel that had Jackson Dell won that game with North Davies, they would have had an excellent shot at winning that state title against Lafayette Central Catholic, yeah. just based on what right. I was able to witness there. When, when, when your opposition turns the ball over just once, yep, that's hard to beat. And, and that's exactly what happened. And it's funny. I had a guy question me on that on Monday after the semi-state. I actually saw him at a restaurant on Monday when I was eating lunch. He said, you guys said they only had one turnover. He goes, we turned them over three times on the press. I said, no, nope. you didn't. And, Bryce, I went back and listened to the game that you posted uh, online, listened to the broadcast of it, and there was only one turnover in that stretch, and right. it was their only turnover of the game. The other thing North Davies did, they missed two free throws. Mm-hmm. And then they got the one turnover, right. and then they, they missed a shot, and Jacksonville capitalized, hit the two threes, and right. cut a seven-point lead down to one. Right. And then North Davies built it right back up, and Jacksonville could never get closer. On the contrary, as I was watching the game <laughs> on Saturday, they keep the stats up on the scoreboard, and I just happened to glance over during that game late in the second half. North Davies had 11 turnovers in the state finals. I'm like, man, if they would have had six or eight against Jacksonville, that might have been a different, a yeah. different story. And of course, you credit Lafayette Central Catholic for causing that, but I'm telling you, Jackson Dell played that one-three-one trap in the fourth quarter of that semi-state game, and they played it well. Mm-hmm. They deflected the ball so many times, and the bounce did just not just, go their way. Yes, absolutely, and, and I can even think of one where it bounced right to the point guard, right to Mullen's hands, and he went in, and took it in for a I layup, know. and it had been a great deflection by Jackson Dell. But the ball you could not have defended funny. that play any better, and they the other team ends up scoring two off. And and that's just basketball, right? I mean, it just that's happens. That's the way it goes. Well, Rob, I really appreciate you coming in. It's been a lot of fun talking about your experiences up there at uh, the state finals for both the girls and the boys. And had a blast uh, doing games with you and look forward to doing it again in the future. I can't wait. Looking forward to next fall and getting football season rolling again and, and then next winter with basketball. But, Bryce, I want to say uh, to you, and I said it when you weren't here that night on the show, but I'll say it with you sitting here, what you've brought to WRBI and the sports coverage of the sports director has just been fantastic. And I really appreciate the number of games you're doing, the number of schools you're covering, and the positive coverage you're providing uh, for Southeast Indiana at WRBI. Keep up the good work, and it's my pleasure to be a part of the team. Gosh, I, I may not get to say anything bad about you ever again. <laughs> Boy, it's going to be tough to roll that off my tongue now. Thank you so much, you. Rob. Thank you, Bryce. It. Thank you. Rob Moorhead uh, with uh, WRBI and also uh, with the IHSAA Champions Network. After a short break, we'll be joined by Franklin County Baseball Coach Derek Stang. You're listening to Coach's Corner on 103.9 WRBI. Oh, my. <laughs> 
that's a big pretzel. I've heard that a lot lately. See Swison from Ison's Family Pizza. Our new hit menu item is a giant medium pizza-sized pretzel. Pick one up today for $9.99. We also get you covered with our Lenten menu items. Our limited-time codfish wedges, yingling beer-battered shrimp, and the always delicious Pollock Fish Shogi will hit the spot. Add some deep-fried portobello mushrooms or fries to round out your meal. You can get us at IsonsFamilyPizza.com, 812-933-0333, or downtown Batesville. Nothing brings the family together like a home-cooked meal. Let Whirlpool and Maytag Appliances help you handle what the day brings. From smart cooking to dependable dishwashers, Garings has it all. With the largest selection of Whirlpool and Maytag Appliances in the area, you're sure to find the perfect appliance for your cooking needs. Shop for the best appliances with the latest features at Garings today. Whirlpool and Garings, 316 North Main, Batesville. George's Pharmacy and Medical Equipment, free delivery and caring for their customers' needs has been their way of business for over 30 years. It's not something new and will always be what George's family values, you and your family. It's easy to switch. Go to georgespharmacy.com and request your transfer or call any of their 10 George's locations. We are here for you. Free delivery before, now, and always. George's Pharmacy and Medical Equipment. Back to more Coach's Corner, delivered by I. Since family pizza. Get out and uh, support the teams in your area. They all deserve your attendance and appreciate you being there. On 103.9 WRBI. Once again, I appreciate Rob Moorhead joining me in the opening segment. Pretty cool. He got to be part of four basketball state final broadcasts this year. I'm Bryce Kendrick, and this is Coach's Corner at Ison's Family Pizza in Batesville. It's brought to you in part by Great Plains Communications, Hurton Elko, Margaret Mary Health, Runs Gutswiller and Safe Passage. Now, it may not feel like spring, but uh, the spring sports season is upon us. And here to talk about his Wildcats baseball team is Franklin County coach Derek Stank. Uh, coach, good evening and welcome to Coach's Corner. Thanks for having me here. It is so great to have you and uh, hard to believe. I know it doesn't feel like it outside <laughs> right now and you're dressed like you've been yeah. outside. And it's a little chilly to be practicing baseball right now, isn't it? It is. We uh, we had our scrimmage last Monday yeah, and we couldn't ask for better weather. Right. Um, a little different this week, but you know what? It's dry, so we can't complain too well, much. Well, dry weather in the spring is always a blessing because yeah. it seems like you get more wet days than you do dry. Mm-hmm. Coach, we're going to talk about your, your team this season and, and what you expect, but uh, I think since we haven't even started the new season yet, mm-hmm. maybe it's appropriate we go back and take a look at what happened last year. Yep. Pretty good run for the Wildcats, 17-8 uh, and eight overall, second in the EIAC, finishing 10-4, and four, and I, I think really – your team kind of hit its stride in the second half of the season, winning ten of a ten of your last eleven going into the sectional. Yeah, we uh, we started off a little slow. Um, we started off with East Central. We split a uh, pair with them. Um, then we split a pair with Carnesville back to back weeks, mm-hmm. um, and then Batesville swept us. And you know, so we're looking at what, two and four, right? Um, but then we really started figuring out, and some of the kids really stepped up. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we finished it. The season really well. Was uh, there was there any point during the early part of the season before you got on that run where something kind of triggered your team that maybe kind of turned things around for you? Uh, not. I can't can't point to one particular thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, you know, we got East Central in the first game over to East Central, right? And we had them down at our place. Then the rains came, yeah, and we got a suspended game. Came back the next night and they kind of put it to us, right? And that was kind of it. Kind of got us down early. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And I think that hung with us for a couple weeks. Yeah. But once we got over that, we started playing good baseball again. And something that the EIAC started to recently do, and uh, I think it's a great idea, and I want to get your, your thoughts on this, is that uh, you're, you're going to play a conference opponent twice within the same week. Mm-hmm. Typically, it's a Monday-Thursday kind yep. of scenario. And that's, um, I, I think, really the purpose behind that was so you can't, as a coach, always throw your number one against one particular team. You're going to be forced to, to pitch your number two or some, someone a little further down on the depth chart. Yeah, and I, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, when they changed it, oh, was it four or five years ago, yeah. I think, um, I was a big fan of it. When Carnesville and Rushville came into the conference, mm-hmm. it kind of changed the scheduling. Right. I know, and I can't tell you what teams it was exactly, but I know there was a week where we played four conference games, and we ended with a Saturday doubleheader conference uh-huh. game. Well, that team we played on Saturday, that was our first conference games of the week. So we were in completely different areas. Right. Um, you know, you, you still get that with the rainouts uh-huh. and, you know, rescheduling. Mm-hmm. But that happens for everybody. Right. Um, I'm a big fan of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we start out with East Central every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of know what we're getting into. You get them on uh, April 4th and April 7th. Yeah, week next week. Yeah. yeah, next week. So, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of it. I think it evens the playing field out a little bit. Um, you kind of look at the season at seven weeks, and it's conference every week. So we know what, what we got. And when you're when you're playing twice, sometimes three times a week, man, it goes by awfully fast. It, it does. Uh, yeah, you know, I just came from basketball, and you know, right. twenty two games in four months, <laughs> and now we're going twenty eight games in two months. And by the so. way, a heck of a season for the Franklin County Thank Wildcats boys. That that was that was outstanding. That was a fun team to watch. Uh, it was a lot of fun to coach. <laughs> no question. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, the success that you had last year, and and really, um, who were some of the key players that you had from a year ago? That well, first of all, let's talk about. Who you lost to graduation? Who were the big losses? Yeah, so that you, you know, I've said it since we met after section last year. Mm-hmm. Our our biggest losses were, you know, from a production standpoint, Joe Fields and mm-hmm. Garrett Ertle. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were two of our main pitchers, right? Uh, but more than anything, it was a leadership thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've told these guys since June that you know we can we have talent. Uh, it's the leadership that we're really going to have to figure it out right because they they provided such good leadership that it made it real easy for us coaches right uh you know joe fields was our one of our top pitchers and played center field and a big batter lineup mm-hmm. garrett was i mean at third base we just threw him in there we knew what we were going to get every time right um if we need him in a tough spot you know on the mound uh he gave it to us mm-hmm. um yeah and, and those two they were big losses mm-hmm. um so in addition to having players that can not only produce for you on the field, they're also a very that was a very vocal duo mm-hmm. that could uh, basically just carry out the you know the stuff that you needed to get done. They can convey it from a player's perspective that hey, coach yeah. needs this done and it gets done. It did. They they made it so much easier for us as a coaching staff to worry about stuff we'd like to worry about more right. often than you know just the the little things. They mm-hmm. took care of it, um, and the and they had so much respect from the other players that. Um, it was never questioned. So right. it, it was, and that's another, you know, another reason why we went from a two and four starting conference to uh, ten and four, nine and five, whatever. Right. Ended up. Yeah, it was a great run there at the end. And um, yeah, was there was there a a loss in the season that maybe stung a little bit more than the other? I mean, obviously losing the last game of the season in the sectional yeah. against Batesville. What was what outside of that? What was what was when he said, you know what, we should have had that. Wish we had that one back. Uh, you know, we. We get, we've been going back to it for the last year now. It's the second East Central game. Yeah. Um, you know, looking 
ahead there, we ended up losing conference by one. Right. And we had, we felt like we had that game, mm-hmm. you know, in hand. Yeah. You could have had a split with Batesville had, had that one went in your favor. And then, yeah, then, you know, Batesville swept, well, they actually they swept us up three times. Also. Right. So, um, you know, but they were, they're a good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the East Central one, we felt like got away from us. Um, but, you know, that's kind of conference baseball. There, there's a lot of good teams. Right. So even though we maybe slipped one, mm-hmm. let one slip away, we probably stole a couple too. Yeah, that, that, yeah. that's part of it. You you, uh, you get some that you weren't expecting to win, and you lose some that you were hoping you should or wishing you should have won. Um, as far as player personnel goes, you talked about the two that were that were leaders for you. Who was the biggest surprise on your team from last year? Last year, um, you know, I'd have to say uh, it was, and he's a returning senior this year, mm-hmm. uh, Christian Prowse. Okay. Um, he's a guy that, good football player. Mm-hmm. Um, he hadn't been really on the radar early in the season for mm-hmm. us as far as varsity goes. Right. Um, but great athlete, and, you know, we knew he in the outfield he could track a ball. Um, we knew he could do that. It was, could he put both sides of it together? And about halfway through the season, he got a shot, and he made the most of it. Yeah. Um, you know, not saying we didn't think he could do it, but it was a little shot in the arm for us. Right. Yeah. Was it a situation uh, that, uh, you know, was there an injury involved that where he had a chance to, to step in, or did he just he said, you know what, I'm going to put him in today and let's see what he can do? And and uh, basically he took the bull by the horns and didn't give it up. Yeah, um, so Brent, he, he didn't pitch later in the season, mm-hmm. um, so we were kind of careful with his arms, so it kind of moved some guys around. And... Um, you know, he stepped in, and it was kind of—it was more of a pitching thing. Who was, right. who was on the mound, if he was going to play or not, mm-hmm. and that's tough. Yeah. Um, for a kid to, you know, show up on Monday thinking, "Well, I'm probably not going to get in," and Thursday, I know I'm going to play. Um, but he did a great job of it, and you know, I know it's tough. You know, talking about bench guys in baseball, right. you know, it's it's different than basketball or football. Right. You can't just get minutes here and there. It's. Yeah. Kind of all or nothing. I think the only thing you can possibly equate it to in basketball, for example, um, some some kid coming off the bench, ice cold, and has to go to the line and hit hit a couple of free throws, and it's a one and one. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know it's I always tell them that you know it's not fair to you, right? Um, you put you in that position, and we kind of expect you to get a hit, but that's not going to happen every time. Yeah. But, it takes know, a certain it, level. It, it takes takes a level of mental toughness to, to be does. somebody that comes off the bench and said, "Okay, get up there and give me a hit. We need yeah. you here." Yeah, uh, him and, and uh, Adam Doherty really came through for us also mm-hmm. late, late in the season. Again, right. he pitched a lot of JV early in the year, and right. with Earl not pitching later in the year, he stepped in and gave us some really important innings. Good, good, good. So as we look ahead to the uh, the group that you got coming up here, um, who, you, we're talking about leadership once mm-hmm. again. Who's going to be leading the Wildcats this year? Uh, so you know, I, I keep it up to the players every year um, mm-hmm. as far as captains go. Right. You know, I really believe that it's their team. Right. And they need to go through that. So um, you know, we got our captains picked. Um, Brent Ertle, he's going to come back. He's a junior. Mm-hmm. Um, great year last year. Um, he's he's going to assume one of those leadership roles. Uh, Chase Burton, right. another junior. Uh, then we got Christian Prowse and Adam Doherty. They're going to they've been voted the captains by the players. Um, they have that respect, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I think it was a good choice. Man. Well, as as they are going to be leading this team, you, you're always hoping to find a diamond or two in the rough. So players that uh, maybe really really young players or players that um, you know the Franklin County community 
from the baseball standpoint, hasn't heard of yet. Who are who are some of those diamonds in the rough that, with a little bit of polish, could be really effective for you this year? Yeah, so at catcher, we have a, a new new player, uh, Xander Rodriguez. Um, he came in this year. Um, he's good. He's really talented mm-hmm. um, behind the plate at or behind the plate defensively and at the plate offensively. Right. Um, he's really good. Uh, he's going to be a a huge part of our team. Uh, left hand hitter, uh, just as defensively sound as you get behind the plate, right. uh, knows how to handle pitchers, so he's going to be a huge for us. Um, Eli Butt, he's a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's come off, and we got out one day after basketball, and he had an injury, so uh, he just got cleared today, actually. So that was his first time swinging a bat in two weeks. Um, but At least it happened now. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, I told him, we got plenty of time, so let's <laughs> make sure you're healthy. Um, you know, when he gets healthy, he's going to help us on the mound, and He's a kid we can kind of throw in anywhere, mm-hmm. uh, infield, outfield, on the mound, good hitter. Um, Avery Harrison, he's a freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, a lot of times with baseball, we don't see them come up. Right. So, you know, they play travel ball and, you know, kind of heard of him, knew who he was, and this fall got to know him. And, and he's going to – he's probably going to pitch for us some. And another kid we can kind of just throw around and put him in positions that we need. Right. Then uh, the fourth one would be Trevor Moisick. He's mm-hmm. he's a transfer from Oldenburg. Right. So, uh, you know, we got to play him last year. Mm-hmm. But to be honest with you, I didn't know who he was in, <laughs> in the fall. Um, yeah, he's a junior, and, you know, he can handle the bat as good as anybody. Right. Um, really fundamental defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, kid, another kid we can kind of put anywhere. Right. And, uh, you know, right now he's he's probably going to lead off for us. So, wow. Uh, you know, those are four guys that haven't had varsity experience, but, we're going to rely a lot of them. No, uh, I, I wish them all the success in the world. Now, you brought up something, uh, and uh, I find it I find it kind of interesting because baseball and, and softball is a little bit different than basketball and football where, uh, you know, almost every school has a junior high feeder program. Mm-hmm. Not every school has a feeder program for baseball and softball. Is that the case with Franklin County? Yeah, we do not. Um, it's been talked about mm-hmm. in the past. Uh, you have the issues with facilities sure is the biggest one yeah. in my opinion um you know getting a field is a premium mm-hmm. then you get rainouts, and if you share a field with the freshman or jv teams and right it's a trickle down effect right um and indoor facilities also mm-hmm. it's tough um it'd be nice but it it's the logistics are hard no question and, um you know like you said it's not like a traditional feeder system in other sports mm-hmm. um but the one thing that has helped us is, you know, these fall workouts we do. Right. You get to know, you know, some of the, if they're not playing a fall sport. Right. Um, yeah, it, it makes it tough. Um, you know, a great example would be uh, Chase Burton last year. Mm-hmm. His freshman year was lost because of COVID. Right. And um, we really didn't know what he had, what we had with him. In the first doubleheader we played, he played JV. Uh-huh. Came up for our game two to play varsity. And I left the field going, uh, just give me your JV jersey. <laughs> we don't need it. <laughs> uh, that's great when you find surprises yeah. like that. Yeah. Coach, what are you most looking forward to this year? I mean, our conference is, I think, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very deep. Uh, there's a lot of good players in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I like our team a lot. Um, I think you know we have a chance to, to do something. Uh, but just with our conference, uh, it's going to be a grind. Yeah, uh, and it's going to be fun, you know. Every like you said, every Monday, Thursday, uh, you 
turn a new week and you're going somewhere <laughs> Monday. You're facing a good team because I think everybody in the conference has at least one really, really good pitcher. Yeah. Uh, if not two or three. Um, so it's going to be a challenge. Um, but, you know, I'm excited for it. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to seeing some of those outstanding matchups, and uh, I know you're anxious to get this season underway. Franklin County will uh, uh, throw out a first pitch on uh, April the 4th at home against East Central, and then you'll follow that up with a road trip to St. Leon on Thursday, April the 7th. Coach, greatly appreciate you coming down tonight. Thanks for talking a little Wildcat baseball with us. Appreciate it. That's great. Derek Stang, thank you very much. Head coach of the Franklin County Wildcats. Up next, I'll have some local sports news of interest, and we'll hear from Coach Bob Lovell and the IHSAA Commissioner Paul Nining. You're listening to Coach's Corner on Country 103.9 WRBI. Oh, my. That's a big pretzel. I've heard that a lot lately. See Swison from Ison's Family Pizza. Our new hit menu item is a giant medium pizza-sized pretzel. Pick one up today for $9.99. We also get you covered with our Lenten menu items. Our limited-time codfish wedges, yingling beer-battered shrimp, and the always delicious pollockfish hoagie will hit the spot. Add some deep-fried portobello mushrooms or fries to round out your meal. You can get us at IsonsFamilyPizza.com, 812-933-0333, or downtown Batesville. Your local Lennox dealer, Burton Elko, is turning 50 this year. That's a long time spent respectfully satisfying the electrical, plumbing, heating, and cooling needs of our customers through unparalleled service and competitive prices. Hi, this is Scott Lamping. Come check out our newly redesigned showroom. We have a nice supply of fixtures for you to see and touch, plus a large inventory of electrical, plumbing, heating, and cooling supplies and parts. Burton Elko, your local Lennox dealer, and so much more. We have gig news for your home. Internet up to one gig is now available from Great Plains Communications, a company with over a century of experience providing technology to homes and businesses across Indiana and beyond. Stream the latest entertainment without lag or buffering. Upload and download large files in no time. Connect to online gaming networks. Contact us today at 888-343-8014 for gpcom.com. Speeds and availability may vary by location. Coach's Corner, delivered by Ison's Family Pizza, continues. I want to thank all of our guests, thank all of our sponsors, thank Ison's for allowing us to be here. Thank all of you for listening in. From 103.9 WRVI. Thanks to Franklin County Baseball's Derek Stang, who joined us in our last segment to talk about some Wildcat baseball. Coach's Corner is delivered by our great friends here at Ison's Family Pizza, and is also brought to you in part by Garing's, Fleetwood Chevrolet Buick, along with George's Pharmacy and Medical Equipment. We have Batesville baseball coach Justin Tucker coming up in a little bit, but first here are some local sports items of interest. A large crowd turned out Saturday afternoon for the dedication of the new Indiana State Historical Marker commemorating the 1954 State Basketball Championship Milan Miracle. The marker put up by the Indiana Historical Bureau in downtown Milan was unveiled by Patty Marshall, the last surviving cheerleader from the 1954 squad, along with current Milan High School cheerleaders. Because of the cold weather, which was punctuated by snow flurries, most of the ceremony was moved indoors to the Milan 54 Hoosiers Museum, where Milan 54 Incorporated President Tom Kohlmeyer, Casey Pfeiffer, and the Indiana Historical Bureau, Milan Town Board President Deb Shoemate, and 1954 Mr. Basketball Bobby Plump, among others, made remarks. 
The high school track season held its premier indoor event Saturday at Indiana University in Bloomington. Several area athletes did exceptionally well, earning a top eight podium finish. The only area medal winner for large school boys was East Central's Leo Maxwell, who placed third in the shot put. For small school girls, Greensburg's Elizabeth Mitchell had the top finish among area female athletes as she ran second in the 50 hurdles. She also placed fifth in the long jump. And the Pirates' Emery Jackson threw to a fourth-place finish in the shot put. South Ripley's Emily Flood was seventh in the girls' 60 hurdles. This was the first indoor podium finish in school history. The Batesville 4x800 relay of Megan Allgaier, Kaylin Badel, Lily Pinkley, and Kaylee Raver finished fifth. The Lady Bulldog distance medley team of Allgaier, Katie Olson, Raver, and Badel was eighth. For small school boys, Franklin County's Jacob Schatzel was second in the long jump, marking the highest boys area finish of the day. He also placed seventh in the pole vault. Schatzel and Kristen Stortz came in fifth and sixth respectively in the 60 dash. Schatzel's time of 7.18 is a school record. The Wildcats 4x200 relay of Schatzel, Tyreek Carr, Adam Grant, and Stortz set a new school record and took 7th in 135-45. Chad Cox leaped to a 4th place finish in the high jump and broke his own school record with a height of 6-4. Batesville's 4x400 relay foursome came home in 7th with Eli Pearson, Ian Losinger, Von Lee Hund, and Benjamin Moster. The Bulldog Distance Medley group of Losinger, Hund, Darren Smith, and Moster was also 7th. One other non-podium but notable finish was the Franklin County Boys 4x400 team of Hunter Marshall, Grant, Stortz, and Carr. They set a school record of 342-81 and placed 13th. I have some more news in just a bit, but first here is Coach Bob Lovell with IHSAA Commissioner Paul Knighting. It's time for the Commissioner's Corner, an exclusive weekly conversation about Indiana high school sports with the Commissioner of the IHSAA, Paul Neidig. Now for an up-to-the-minute report about what's happening in the constantly changing world of high school sports, here's Coach Bob Lovell with Commissioner Paul Neidig. Welcome back, everyone, to our weekly conversation with the Commissioner of the IHSAA, Paul Neidig, our final one for this academic year and athletic year. Commissioner, we head into the 112th annual IHSAA Boys Basketball State Finals presented by the Indiana Pacers and Indiana Fever. I think uh, it's really appropriate to thank the Pacers and the Fever because the partnership you have with uh, the Pacers and Sports and Entertainment Group is unique in the United States. No other professional team does what the Pacers and the Fever do for their high school associations. And as I said many times, Bob, only in Indiana. That's the case here again with the Pacers and the Fever. You know, it's not. We're partners. They certainly support what we do, but we're, it really borders on this is just, it's part of the basketball family of Indiana. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's from the high schools all the way to the college level game to the Pacers and the Fever and the professional product that they put out on the, out for the fans to watch. And it's, it's, as the Pacers like to say, we grow basketball and they're certainly a leader of that. In the state of indiana but they allow us to grow basketball also yeah in doing my preparation for the upcoming weekend i was i was really surprised but pleasantly surprised to see that with the exception of lafayette central catholic and cathedral the other participants this year are making their first appearances in the state finals that's exactly right. You know, Bob, we, we go back to you and I sitting in a, in a room here back several months ago, and I think the conversation was that this is a wide-open tournament this year. You know, I think having six brand-new teams that have never been to the state finals here, you know, that uh, 
that statement at that time certainly is true. And, you know, I can't remember. It's been years since we've had six new participants in the state championship on a Saturday. And again, that just shows you how parity across the state is good, which means the competition is good, which is going to lead to incredible basketball games this upcoming weekend. Well, I think it does. And I think it also uh, addresses um, how hard it is to do what these teams have done. You know, I, I, I've done this a long time. I know a great number of tremendous basketball coaches who have not been able to bring teams to the state finals and Hall of Fame type coaches who haven't made it. It's hard to win basketball games in our state. It absolutely is. And, you know, again, coaches, we have like we have Hall of Fame guys that have never walked the path to Indianapolis to play at, at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. You know, and again, it's not at the end of the day, though, they still win state championships, Bob, but they win it every day with right. the kids. And their state championship also is that kid that walks back into that community and becomes a doctor, a teacher, a lawyer, um, you know, somebody that uh, may farm. All those people come back to that community because of what that head coach did along the way and the lessons that he's able to talk. So there's a lot of state championships to win, but just, you know, just a few of them where you get that trophy. But uh, when a kid does great things along the way that you've helped grow, uh, that's a state championship also. I always look at it this way. This is the 112th. <laughs> championship. <laughs> There's no other state around who can brag about the length of time that they've done state championships, especially the manner in which we in the Hoosier State have been able to do. That's exactly right. Uh, you know, and people still come out. We've uh, we've had to open up the balcony for the general public this weekend mm-hmm. because there's such a interest in this tournament and people coming out. But I do get to talk to my counterparts and I watch their state tournaments at different levels. And you know, let's just be thankful we're in Indiana where we have celebrated basketball. We've gotten really good at celebrating basketball. Mm-hmm. We're going to continue to get better next year, and we'll be better for the 113th than we were the 112th because we'll have that many more kids that have an opportunity to play through our tournament here in the state of Indiana. He's the commissioner of the IHSAA. It's Paul Neidig. This is our final conversation for the season. Commissioner, I look forward to spending time with you this week, and thank you so much for all you've done for me throughout the basketball season. Coach, we'll see you at the state finals, and uh, we'll all have a smile on our face, and we're going to cheer on some teams to victory this weekend. And thank you for doing what you do to help support student-athletes across our state. Thanks for listening to The Commissioner's Corner with IHSAA Commissioner Paul Neidig and Coach Bob Lovell. And thank you for your continued support of the high schools in your community. Again, that was Coach Bob Lovell with IHSAA Commissioner Paul Neidig. Several area boys basketball players received accolades from the Indiana Basketball Coaches Association. The most notable were Jackson Dell's Wyatt Day and South Decatur's Hunter Johnson, who earned senior first team small school All-State. Senior All-State honorable mention selections, regardless of class, included Greensburg's Colin Cummer, Franklin County's Chad Cox, Jackson Dell's Caleb Simon, Lawrenceburg's Jackson Bobo, Southwestern Hanover's Zach Cole, and Edinburgh's Travis Jones. Underclass honorable mention All-State nods went to Switzerland County's Cam Craig, Edinburgh's Caleb Dewey, and Waldron's Lucas Mitchell.
One of the state's most successful basketball coaches is stepping down. Jacksonville girls coach Scott Smith announced there will not be a 22nd season for him in Osgood. Over his 21-year career, all with the Eagles, Smith racked up 385 wins, which is 32nd most all-time for girls programs. His teams amassed a slew of titles, 10 ORVC, 7 Ripley County, 16 sectionals, 3 regionals, 1 semi-state, and 1 state in 2016. Only twice in his career did an Eagles girls team finish under 500. His teams had 18 consecutive winning seasons and nine times achieved 20 victories or more. Jacksonville was one W shy of that plateau this year, finishing 19-7. and Over the last 21 years, Smith had the highest winning percentage among all Class 1A girls coaches and 10th best overall. Smith was named Coach of the Year five times by the HBCA, twice by the IBCA, and once by the ICGSA. Batesville Baseball's Justin Tucker will join me after this short break. You're listening to Coach's Corner on Country 103.9 WRBI. Oh, my. That's a big pretzel. I've heard that a lot lately. See Swison from Ison's Family Pizza. Our new hit menu item is a giant medium pizza-sized pretzel. Pick one up today for $9.99. We also get you covered with our Lenten menu items. Our limited-time codfish wedges, yingling beer-battered shrimp, and the always delicious Pollock Fish Shogi will hit the spot. Add some deep-fried portobello mushrooms or fries to round out your meal. You can get us at IsonsFamilyPizza.com, 812-933-0333, or downtown Batesville. Nothing brings the family together like a home-cooked meal. Let Whirlpool and Maytag Appliances help you handle what the day brings. From smart cooking to dependable dishwashers, Garings has it all. With the largest selection of Whirlpool and Maytag Appliances in the area, you're sure to find the perfect appliance for your cooking needs. Shop for the best appliances with the latest features at Garings today. Whirlpool and Garings, 316 North Main, Batesville. If you're living with high levels of stress, you're putting your well-being at risk. The good news is you have more control than you think. Starting April 14th, join Margaret Mary Health for Stop Stress This Minute, a program designed to teach participants how to lower their stress level and manage stress in a healthy way. This three-part series costs just $15 and will be held at Margaret Mary's main campus. Registration is required by calling 812-933-5583. You are tuned to Coach's Corner. We want to thank... Uh... Cecil and his crew here at Ison's Pizza for allowing us to be here. We want to thank all of our sponsors who make this all possible. Go out and support them because not only do they make things like this possible, they keep your communities going and that's very, very important. 103.9 WRVI. Corner from Ison's Family Pizza in Batesville. Our show is also brought to you in part by Great Plains Communications, Hurton Elko, Margaret Mary Health, Bruns Gutswiller, and Safe Passage. I'm Bryce Kendrick. Earlier tonight, I chatted with Franklin County baseball coach Derek Stang, the only team which finished higher than the Wildcats in the EIAC in 2021. Well, that's the champion Batesville Bulldogs. And the coach of the Canines, Justin Tucker, is joining us right now. Coach, good to have you on Coach's Corner tonight. Thanks so much, Bryce. We're excited to talk about baseball season. Now. Absolutely. And uh, as we transition to spring, and, and first of all, how many years have you been head coach of Batesville? This will be my seventh, our seventh year, but I guess it's sixth season. Because right. uh, 2020 didn't have a season. Yes, un- unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately. Well, you had a great year last year, 22-6, in the EIC, finishing first, and the 20,000-foot level view of the season last year is what for you? Um, I think it was just a uh, 
I mean, it was it was a different season because, like I had mentioned, right, we didn't have a 2020 season. Cause, so you're kind of flipping the coin in terms of what yeah. things are going to look like in mm-hmm. 2021. Um, so when uh, when we came out, I thought we could be talented. Um, but uh, bottom line in baseball, it's a lot more than talent. It's kind of a mental game, right? Sure. So um, things just started clicking. Um, and uh, bottom line is when the snowball starts rolling, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And I think that's what happened with our guys last year. Um, and bottom line is just continued to roll. And uh, we had some talented guys, though, that we did lose yeah. um, from last year, some of our seniors. Um, but uh, I think some of our guys this year are excited to kind of take over some of those roles that our guys uh, played in last year. We're going to talk about those individual players in just a second, but you mentioned the snowball. And it's certainly, it, it got that snowball got pretty darn big for you guys because after you lost to Beachwood on April 17th, you close out the regular season winning 12 straight and 13 of your last 14. The only loss in there was uh, a conference loss to South Dearborn, which fortunately for you didn't matter as far as the conference went because I, if I remember, because we were there, that was a doubleheader. You won the second one, and that's the one that, that clinched the EIAC for you. Yeah, we were, uh, that, that loss actually was probably very good for us because you know it's once if you continue to win and continue to win like for a while there it kind of feels like okay like everything we're doing is is good right now right um so sometimes it's good to have a little bump in the road there so so guys wake up and realize that hey we're not invincible you know so that was a good loss for us when you guys were putting that you know i mean that that's a heck of a that's a heck of a streak that you guys had was there anything any one or two things in particular that just every single game in and game out you guys were just like doing this so well that that uh that's how that's how you're getting the w's well i think a lot a big key to high school baseball is pitching mm-hmm. um and i think our guys throughout the past several years have been um we've been blessed with some really quality pitching um because the thing is if you if you have pitchers that can keep you in the game um that bottom line is the rest of the guys on the team begin believing that they can win this game mm-hmm. right and uh, if you keep guys uh, around long enough then we're going to find ways to you know our guys are going to find ways to to you know screech out some wins, whether it's a bunt or a steal or whatever it might be, um, to kind of take those things going. So bottom line is, I think our pitching really uh, really was a big factor for us last year in our success. Conference uh, championship and a sectional championship in the same year, that's that's pretty good. That was. Actually, <laughs> I looked, and there was only two times that has happened in Batesville history. Wow. One time was uh, during 2002 when Batesville went to state, yeah. and then the other time was last year. So it was that. a really big deal for us when you look back at the statistics when it's all said and done. When you guys uh, won the sectional championship, uh, had, had, what was what was the feeling like? Um, it was. Uh, I mean, that's that's, that's the best feeling, right? Yeah. Is like because you do it all. I mean, obviously, you do it all for many more reasons outside of winning. Yeah. You do it all for the experiences with the players, the experiences with the coaches, you know, the experiences with the community, all the things that right. you do coaching for. But a big cherry on top, and the big goal is ultimately to win your sectional, right? Yeah. And I think. Um, that we had some guys in that team because um, we so we didn't have 2020, but we we, we had in 2019 we lost the first round of sectional. We right. won the sectional in 2018, lost the first round of sectional in 2019, and it's kind of a surprise loss. They were, played really well. Um, Rushville, who we, we had lost to in 2019, then 2020 was gone. So that right. that hung with us for over a yeah. year. Um, so that feeling again um, to win, particularly with guys who had won a sectional before, mm. I think it was. Because that was their freshman year they had won, where they were like excited to win, excited to be there, right? Right. Now it was like time to get business done. Yeah. Um, so it was. It, it's always exciting to get to a regional. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really great for players when they have an opportunity to do that more than one time in their career. So I'm happy a lot of those guys got that experience last yeah. year. And, and the celebration between, I, I think, a conference championship and, and a postseason championship is a little bit different because you're you're going. I mean, you've got the grind of the regular season, you know, roughly seven weeks, and you're facing all these conference opponents twice, and then you know it's not the Decided until the last day, but you know you 
it's just over such a long period of time. And then here in the sectional, you've got three games in five days, and and I mean, you get to feel that. I mean, it just the, the satisfaction that you get on being able to knock off three opponents in five days to grab a trophy. That's that's pretty special. Well, and the fact that our our sectional is really hard. Now, yeah. Our sectional is difficult because it's all conference teams, right. and we all know each other really well. Mm-hmm. So what I've learned about the sectional, um, our sectional, is that. A lot of times it's not necessarily about talent. It's about uh, basically about the mental grind. Mm-hmm. Are, are you guys ready to grind it out? Um, and that uh, last year, that was a very fun grind. Um, and once again, our pitching shined in there. We did not give up a run until I believe the sixth inning um, of the sectional championship because mm-hmm. um, our pitchers shut, shut team game one, game two, and then we were shutting out Connorsville, and then they hit a three-run home right. run to make it four to three. Um, but then we hit a home run and you know kind of capitalized on that. So um, it was exciting, exciting season. That was uh, when you look back. It's it's always nice to have um, those champ that 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 championship when you look back and you said you know it was really successful because it'd be disappointing right if you win twenty games right. and you don't win the sectional and you win the conference and you don't win the sectional. So it's always nice to be able to have that that memory as well. Let's talk about some personnel. Trey Peters, Calvin Sherwood, Sam Vagley, and Riley Zake, your four seniors from last year. What are you losing those guys? Um, a lot. Um, those guys, you know, I, actually today we met with our team. And we were kind of talking about legacy um, type stuff. And in terms of what kind of legacy do you want to leave, mm-hmm. you know, for the 2022 season? Because um, when I think back to 2021, think back to what kind of legacy those guys left, it really was based on our seniors' personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, our seniors last year really were like absolute grinders. Yeah. Um, we're, we're dudes that just love the game of baseball. I love talking about them because – I mean, honestly, they, they have a special place in my heart just yeah. from the, the experiences that we had, you know, and having for four years, and especially because they didn't get to play that year before. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're losing a so, – so like every year, right? You yeah. lose a lot, right? We're losing – we're losing leadership. We're losing offensive production um, from all four of those guys. We're losing um, Riley Zink was our was our best pitcher last year. He's actually playing in Oakland City right now. Um, we we our our starting middle infield uh, is gone. So that was Calvin and, and Trey Peters. Right. Um, so that was our starting infield, our middle infield, and uh, Sam Vagley was big offensive production and energy magnet that that excited everybody. So a lot from leadership and an outfield spot there. Um, so the challenge of of filling um, your middle infield is, is challenging enough for one position, but this year it's, you know, we're trying to find, we're filling it with two, you know, yeah. with both, because both those guys were seniors. Well, before we talk about the makeup of the team for this year, who was, who was the biggest surprise for you from last year? And you can so, name more, and you can name more than one if you want to. Sure. Yeah. No, I think that's a great question because, um, last year, I think we went into the season saying, okay, Riley Zink is, is our number one pitcher. Um, and Sam Vegley is our number two. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Vegley got injured, and before the season really started, had elbow problems all season, and pitched three innings the whole year. Um, if you would have told me that, I would have never told you that we would have ended up twenty-two and six, right? right? Because somebody's got to fill that void. Sure. Um, and the person that really filled that void was Jacob Meir. Mm-hmm. Um, he came alive and and uh, was was, I mean, last year really. I mean, he's he's learned a. a He's 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 really advanced his skills in this offseason. He works his tail off, and yeah. so I'm excited to see him take another step up this year. Um, the last year when he was on the mound, he was just able to control the game. You know, at Franklin County was a really great game that we had in the sectional. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank County was very talented, and Jacob Meir found a way to shut him out. You know, as a um, as a guy that was a junior who you know before last year didn't have any varsity experience, came in and then he ultimately was our number two. Right. I mean, we could rely on him um, for 
um, for for those big time games that we really needed behind Riley Zink. Additionally, another guy um, was Jack Grunkemeyer, who was a freshman. Um, we started him on JV, um, so blame me. I'm the dumb one who <laughs> started him on JV last year. But bottom line is he came up early on in the season, and after that we really hit a stride. Yeah. Um, By the way, Coach Stang said the same thing. He had, you know, one of one of his first said, well, you don't need the JV jersey anymore. Sure. Just give it back to <laughs> that was, Just that give was it back serious. to me. <laughs> yeah, you proved me wrong. Um, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, he, he became an all-conference player and was really our conference reliever in, in a lot of our games. Mm-hmm. And um, – and I mean, you could go on and on with last year's teams in terms of surprises because it's every year that you go, every year that you compete, right? You think about your team and and you do a lot of this. You do a lot of okay. If this pans out, we could be really good. If this pans out, we could be really good. If this pans out, and right, in most years, not a lot of it pans out, right? right? But last year, a lot of it panned out. A lot of these guys who we were like, oh, if this happens, this guy could be really good. If this happens, and it worked out, and and guys really panned out, and and it. And it was, and you, the credit is to them because of the fact that they were truly working their tails off. Right. And then before you know it, when you start believing, guys start working for each other, and then sure. things get easier as you go. And then you're ready for the tournament. You talked about Jacob Mir and and the surprise that he gave you being able to step up into that number two role because of an injury. Well, with him and Zinc both gone now, do you you got uh, Mir stepping in as the number one? That is so. That's a great conversation. Yeah. Um, so uh, this year, the way so so I mentioned Jack Ronkemeyer was right. a freshman last year. Really was a great conference reliever. I think this year, I don't want to say that one guy is an ace right now because I think we have. I think that's probably our strength is our pitching depth. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I'd say if you could throw a lot of our guys out there, and I'm going to feel comfortable with them on the mound. Mm-hmm. Um, we nice so problem. Dave. That, that is, it's been a great problem <laughs> this summer or this this uh, winter. Yeah. Um, but uh, bottom line is, a lot can change when you sure. get on the hill, right, yeah. in the middle of a game. So, um, but uh, but anyway, it, the way that it looks right now is we've got Jack Grunkemeyer. Um, in addition, we've got Jacob Muir, mm-hmm. um, who you mentioned. And we also had, um, a, which we're blessed with this, we had a family move in from California mm-hmm. who got a job locally in town. Um, yeah. And he came in, and he was a PO, a pitcher only in California, and then came in, and, you know, he's going to fit right in here in Batesville. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we're very happy. Um, his name is Dime Adams, but uh, we're excited to have him um, on our squad this year, too. So so really, while we lost Riley, it's like the, we then gained, you know, some guys in growth and then added a, yeah, added you know an apple right. that fell from the tree, wow. which is great. So. That, that is fantastic. <laughs> right. Well, that's yeah. that's the pitching side of things. Mm-hmm. Who are going to be the big sticks? Who do you think will be the big sticks? Yeah. So um, once again, to mention uh, Jack Grunkemeyer again. I mean, I think he's a guy that's going to end up hitting three or four for us. Mm-hmm. Max Bomber is a guy like when you look at him, you're just like, man, that guy can mash a baseball. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's another way to describe it in his way. He just goes with big leg kick and just. Right. Can, can hit it a mile. So uh, Max Bomber's a guy, too. We've also got a senior um, named Travis Lecker, who um, mm-hmm. last year uh, actually started as a leadoff in it as our nine, but really provided a lot of power in the ninth spot. It, I believe hit a home run in this sectional as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, a guy that, that really stands out, too, you know, I mentioned Dime came over. We've been really blessed this year um, because our middle infield, you know, like I said, we lost Calvin Sherwood, who was a senior, Trey Peters, solid middle infield. I would have taken them, you know, Man, they were good. Uh-huh. Um, but this year, we you know, Charlie Shebler ended up moving to Batesville, um, Batesville Schools, and uh, and now Charlie is going to be probably our starting shortstop, and he's committed to the Ohio State University. Wow! Um, so we're excited to have him. So he's going to be a big stick for us. Um, so that's a great addition too. Um, so I mean, bottom line is, I, I think things are looking good offensively um, and pitching wise. But like I said, I mean, all we we've, we've had years where we thought 
we you know we're gonna absolutely you know kill it one year you know in years and then it just didn't pan out right so it just comes down to one injury or two injuries here and there or one guy doesn't really is you know having a is in a slump having a mental issue with the you know with his at bats and things like that so it just kind of depends upon you know how things go and we'll just we'll just ultimately see how things fly coach stang said in his interview and and i i i'm almost certain that you would probably agree with this is that the conference is deep 100 yeah. percent. i mean that is like i know yeah we're ranked fifth great who cares because at the end of the day our competition is within our conference mm-hmm. and uh our comp our conference knows that you know who's good i know you know, right now I'd say there are teams, you know, on the line in terms of guys I know are coming back mm-hmm. that I'm I'm definitely worried about. Right. Um, there, there's no doubt about it. We've got because in our conference, I look around, I really believe we have we have great coaches, um, and I think there are guys the, the entire conference who run excellent programs, mm-hmm. um, and so that means every year, year in and year out, you're going to have guys that are ready to play, um, even if they maybe don't have the talent that another team has their dudes are going to be ready to go because of what that what has been ingrained to them all in the offseason right um so i know our conference is deep every year we talk about this as conference coaches every year when we see each other it's just truly a flip of the coin you know who is going to win the conference every single year um i don't think there really ever is a favorite um i, I think it's always just you know who's playing the best at what time of the year right and that's why um i had jay Malott who coaches south dearborn um, I had a conversation with him before, and it was like, you know, I, I like if you win the conference, nine times out of ten, which really, if you look back, that's pretty much the truth. Nine times out of ten, they don't win the sectional, right? right? And it's the same teams, yep. so it's always a flip of the coin. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In terms of in terms of what um, what teams are going to perform and win, and there, there's never a large separation amongst the first place team and the eighth place team in the EIC, yep. which uh, which, I, which I think is great. Um, for competition, you know, and for, per, particularly in tournament play. Well, talent talent carries you a long way, but you also need a little bit of luck in the game, don't you? Yeah, it's a hundred percent for sure. And we've gotten pretty lucky along the way. All right. Well, coach, we wish you the best of luck this year. Uh, you're going to open your season on April the second, a home matchup against Rising Sun, a non-conference game, and then you get into that conference slate first week out of the year or first week of the season uh, with uh, Connersville on Monday, April fourth. You'll be at their place, and then you get them back on Thursday uh, at your place. So. Uh, Wish you all the best. Thanks so much. We actually did add a game. We actually opened up on Friday. Really? At Southwestern Hanover. Okay. Um, so we play at their good place. Good two-way program. I know. It is yes. a great two-way program, so I'm happy they reached out. And, um, so it's going to be a good good day to open up with them. And then the next day, Rising Sun at Liberty Park. So hopefully everybody's willing to come out and join us. And, um, and, and hopefully maybe maybe everybody's maybe in a light jacket, not a parka for the first couple of days <laughs> yes, of the year. Our scrimmage was on Saturday, and it was yeah. blowing snow <laughs> and windy as can be. And we were, I don't even know what we were doing. Welcome to springtime in Indiana, Coach. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We Coach. grinded it out. Thank you so yeah, much thanks, for coming. Thanks I so really much for appreciate having me. Our pleasure. Justin Tucker, baseball, Batesville baseball head coach. Uh, we'll be back to wrap up tonight's show after a quick timeout. You're listening to Coach's Corner on Country 103.9 WRBI. Oh, my. That's a big pretzel. I've heard that a lot lately. See Swison from Ison's Family Pizza. Our new hit menu item is a giant medium pizza-sized pretzel. Pick one up today for $9.99. We also get you covered with our Lenten menu items. Our limited-time codfish wedges, yingling beer-battered shrimp, and the always delicious pollockfish hoagie will hit the spot. Add some deep-fried portobello mushrooms or fries to round out your meal. You can get us at IsonsFamilyPizza.com, 812-933-0333, or downtown Batesville. We don't say. 
sell you cars, we help you buy them. This is Ty Fleetwood, sales manager at Fleetwood Chevrolet Buick, located at 950 North Michigan, Greensburg, Indiana. I want to invite you to visit us at Fleetwood Chevrolet Buick. We have Greensburg's only drive-in service lane and home of the free old changes for life with the purchase of a new vehicle. Stop in and give us an opportunity to earn your business. Thank you for shopping at Fleetwood Chevrolet Buick. We don't sell you cars, we help you buy them. Endured 23 plus years of abuse, mentally, physically, emotionally, everything you can imagine. Because I put on a happy face and I wasn't allowed to air our dirty laundry. Safe Passage knows what domestic and sexual violence looks like. And it's not just a black eye or a bruise. It is about power and control, be it physical, emotional, verbal, isolation, or financial abuse. Text Hope Chat to 877-733-1990 for free help. Back to more Coach's Corner, delivered by Ison's Family Pizza. Get out and uh, support the teams in your area. They all deserve your attendance and appreciate you being there. On 103.9 WRBI. And we'd like to thank our sponsors of Coach's Corner. Of course, our great friends here at Ison's Family Pizza. They are such wonderful hosts every Monday. Also, Garings, Fleetwood Chevrolet Buick, George's Pharmacy and Medical Equipment, Great Plains Communications, Hurt and Elko, Margaret Mary Health, Bruns Gutswiller, and Safe Passage. I'd like to thank uh, the guests on the show tonight, Derek Stang, Franklin County Baseball, Justin Tucker, whom you just heard from, Batesville Baseball, and uh, the ratings killer, Rob Moorhead. Our colleague at WRBI and also uh, was on the IHSAA Champions Network calling some 3A and 4A uh, state finals as a sideline reporter uh, for both the girls and the boys. It was fun to get some insight on his experiences up in Indianapolis uh, for those two state championship Saturdays. Uh, Big thanks to John Heil back at the station for engineering the show tonight. And we will be back again on uh, next Monday night for another show. We hope you can tune in to uh, Coach's Corner here on Country 103.9 WRBI. I'm Bryce Kendrick. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful evening. We'll talk to you again soon. So long for now.